Reitman University. The Wandering Jew Podcast. Exploring beautiful humans, thoughts, and experiences with Naomi Edelman. You're listening to Audioversity, and I would like to welcome you all to the Wandering Jew Podcast. I'm your host, Naomi Edelman. I thank you for joining me on this journey to explore the diverse experiences of modern Jewry. Today's guest is a very special and unique human being here at Reichman University. I would like to introduce this beautiful human, Baronet Kelman. She's a second year student and the best track at this university with yours truly, business administration, and she's specializing in digital innovation. She's basically from the entire world, so we're gonna have to figure that out together. Welcome to the only baronet in Israel. Hi, Naomi. <laughs> What's up, baronet? That was such an introduction. I don't think I've ever been introduced so beautifully in my life. Oh my God, stop. Can you just like come and introduce me? Like to every, every time I open a door yes. to any room, I just like... The town crier letting yeah, her in. Yeah, <laughs> just come with like a scroll. Can we do that? <laughs> Fully, absolutely, yes, 100%. That was delicious. Okay, I'm so glad that you appreciated that. Um, I want to start off this interview with asking a question from our previous lovely guest, Megan. Um, She wanted to ask you, how do you experience God? Wow. Megan, that's so deep. Yeah, nice question. I'm going to need to listen to that um, Megan episode. Yeah, it's lovely. I I need the context for that question. That's intense. How do I experience God? Mm -hmm. Um... Wow. Okay. I'll tell you something. Okay. This is like a story that I never tell anybody, but my mom seems to really like telling it to people. Um, and I feel like it kind of has to do with this question a lot. So I'll, I'll do the one thing I never do and tell the story about a conversation I had with my mom when I was like seven. Okay. Beautiful. Yeah. Um, so I was in the car with my mom and I was sitting in the back like kids do. (laughs) Um, and out of, Effing nowhere. Am I allowed to swear? You're allowed to swear. Out of fucking nowhere. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I turned to my mom with just no context. Nothing happened before that. It was like really out of nowhere. I don't know what was going on in my head that day. And I just said, you know, um, I just said like, mom, you know, do you, do you love God? And she was like, the fuck? <laughs> like, what? Seven year old. Like, I was expecting, like, what are we having for dinner vibes? Yeah. Like, yeah, that yeah. was not what she was expecting. And then she said, you know, I don't even remember what she answered. She gave me some sort of answer. And I was like, okay. And I kept thinking for a very long time. And she said, about half an hour later, I said, Mom, I think someone who, you know, doesn't love God doesn't love himself. And Mm. that, for some reason, hit her really hard. Like, Mm. to me, it was almost meaningless. It was just, like, a very vanishing thought (laughs) I had that day um, in the mind of a seven-year-old. But I feel like something that kind of really, you know, did stick with me from the story wasn't the fact that I said this and whatever was going on with me that day. It was more that that hit my mom so hard, and Mm -hmm. that's something that she remembered for so long. And then it kind of felt to me like you know, yeah, maybe there is some really cool dude in the sky and he has a really long beard and he makes some wishes come true when he feels like it, you know, matches the plot and whatever. Um, And maybe not. I don't know. Like, who am I? I don't know anything. Like, what authority do I have to decide what's, you know, what's the truth? But I definitely feel like if there is anything that is 
divine or magical or amazing or awesome out there that has some super cool powers um i feel like all of us have a little piece of it in us because if there is something like that then that's the thing that made us and inherently like we have our parents dna we must have some of that dna as well um and i feel like the way that i experience god is through other people that's so crazy that you say that because that's exactly how she said she experiences god so i find that to be so stunning i it just really touched me because there are some things that I think like in our super materialist society, we try to dilute everything to logic and rationale, but there are some things about the human experience that are not dilutable and that are not like we all recognize that we can't really describe emotions, but everybody feels them. You have some approximation of some word that means like happy or love. Nobody knows what that actually is or consciousness. Every you, everyone uses that word. Nobody knows what that means. Like right. nobody can really define that. Right. There's some element of us that's just transcendent of the material universe and it's amazing that we all experience that in each other and we all recognize that we all know that like you guys have never met and you both said the exact same thing right and I think everybody can relate to that because there's something that sometimes is just absolutely divine about people what do you think that is like what what when you are talking to somebody what makes you how do you experience God through them like what about them I mean, you know, I actually thought of this today. I was driving in the car um, to the mall, which is like so not spiritual. Um, (laughs) What are you talking about? That's the most spiritual experience. (laughs) I was driving to the mall and I was thinking in my head about, you know, like there's all this hype right now because of like chat GPT and AI and, you know, like that whole um, whole AI situation going on right now. Um, And all the machine learning, deep learning, you know, are they going to take over the world kind of thing like. And there's a lot of talk about um, AI replacing people. And there was right. a lot, there's actually like, you know, there was this big article that I read about um, this German magazine replacing its editors mm-hmm. with um, pretty much just chat GPT, like essentially, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, or AI or whatever. I don't know. Like, don't quote me. Um, yeah. but, I think I think these days those words are interchangeable. Yeah, right I now. feel yeah. like chat GPT pretty much, like that chat GPT machine learning, it's like the same, yeah. same concept to me. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm, like studying digital innovation, I'm not supposed to say that, but that's the truth. Like, But but in the general public, when people yes, say AI exactly. right now, they're talking about chat. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, um, you know, as far as people are concerned, I feel like there's this whole concept of um, machines are going to replace us. Machines are going to, uh, you know, outlearn us, outsmart us, out everything. And yeah. there is there was one thought I kept having today when I was driving in the car and I was like, you know, there's only one thing that a machine will never be able to do. Like no matter what happens, no matter how good they get, a machine will never give you the feeling that you are not alone. You know, like there is there is something um, just inherently I, again, there's no word for it. They're divine, godly, magical, spiritual, like something. There's something about having another human with you um, through thick and thin, you know, like it doesn't matter if it's a good or bad situation, like feeling less alone in that situation um, due to the fact you're not having to go through it by yourself is something yeah. that like if I was sitting here and I was talking to an AI that was interviewing me, I wouldn't necessarily answer the way I do or feel what I'm feeling knowing that you are a live person with your own feelings and emotions and complexities sitting in front of me, you know, going through your own emotions while I'm talking. Like, it makes a huge difference and I feel like it does sway the conversation very much. So I feel like, I feel like that's kind of the the main thing. And yeah, 
I love that. I think that's beautiful. I also think just to add on a little bit to what you were saying, I think another reason why it doesn't feel replaceable for humans is because there's something about the fact that we're all going to die in like the finitude of our lives that gives the moments that we do choose to spend together purpose. And that's why sometimes you get extra meaning. Exactly. And that's why I think, I think that's where boredom comes from. And then you start to get like annoyed with being bored because you feel like you're wasting your time. And that's because you know that you don't have all the time in the world. And that's why you start to like get resentful when you're bored sometimes. But yeah, I, I remember listening to like Lex Friedman and one of his big things that he talks about is like trying to be able to, you know, essentially like create these these AI uh, robots that are able to basically be replaceable for humans. But I just don't I think that's just based off of being a product of like living in a materialist, you know, society. I don't think that's actually possible. There's something that you can't. I, I think I think that's another thing about like humans and dogs, for instance, like people who say, oh, I, I've, I've heard this before. People say like, oh, I love my dog more than humans. And of course you do, because they give you un, unfettered access to their love and they're never unconditional. Yeah, unconditional. They're never, never upset with you. Right. But the reason why it's way more meaningful with a human is because there's a negotiation that happens there. And you're also held accountable. Your dog, Hitler's dog, loved him, you know? <laughs> there was no character assessment there. You know? I love that you mentioned Hitler on a Judaism podcast. Like, <laughs> Of course I do. He's a main character. What do you mean? He's a main character. We need a villain, you know? We need a villain. To make this an interesting narrative. We definitely do. <laughs> right? But like... Hitler's dog loved him. <laughs> You know what I mean? But people didn't because it requires requires negotiation and it requires you to be giving of the other and to be self-sacrificing and you have to navigate around someone else and that actually makes you a better person. You know, the fact that you don't have to negotiate means that there's nothing nothing interesting about that dynamic. Like the things that are interesting about these, you know, romance novels or like these drama stories is the person battling with themselves in society and trying to, you know, navigate themselves through this and become a better version of themselves. And without challenge, there's nothing that without challenge from other people, there's nothing that's going to propel you to that. So yeah, I just don't really see AI replacing people. Maybe I'm not imaginative enough, but at the same time, I think about this sometimes, you you know, you know, Elon Musk, how he talks about Neuralink. Yeah, so it, it's like going to be this mm-hmm. chip that's put in your brain yeah. and essentially you'll be absolutely a complete cyborg as opposed to now where we are technically cyborgs, but it's removable because, you know, your phone is detached from you. Right. But this Neuralink will, will be implanted into your brain. I I think that's interesting because um, there are benefits to that, I'm sure. Ultimately, it's obviously like inherently creepy and people have, <laughs> <laughs> have some immediate like gross You know, I do, I do actually have something to say about that. Go for it. I have, like, a general attitude that I apply to, like, all things. Go for it, yeah. That are, like, that I look at them and I'm like, mm, cool, but I don't know. Yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> um, I let, you know, like, at least, t- at least, like, a thousand people, at least, like, I- Try before I'm you. talking minimum. <laughs> I'm talking minimum, right? Like, maybe it, maybe my, it depends on the, on the thing, but, like, between, between, like, a thousand or a hundred thousand, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, like, 
You know, when people are like, oh, you know, let's go to the moon. I'm like, that's cool. You know, once a lot of people go to the moon and die and they have all these malfunctions and they figure out how to do it right. Like, I'm a coward. I'm yeah. not going to be one of the. I'm not a pioneer. Not an no, no I'm, I'm not a Gryffindor. That's like not who I am. It's just like I'm a Hufflepuff. I'm, I mean, more of a Ravenclaw, really. But like you literally have my Ravenclaw cup right now in your hand. But, oh, my gosh. So yeah. Cute. But like it's. um. It's just like not, you know, I we do need people who are like, yeah, I'm brave, you know, but that's not me. Yeah. Um and when I look at things like that, I initially just get entirely freaked out and I don't want to be like unwelcoming to new technology. I don't want to say no, this is horrible, but at the same time like this is hella sus, you know? Like For sure. I'm not just like, ooh, yes, implant my brain with things yeah. that weren't naturally there before. Right. I think I think that's a really healthy uh trepidation that you have because you need to do a full risk assessment and to hearken back to like the AI thing I think the reason why people are concerned about it is because there were like Eliezer Yudkowsky is because there's no he made a really good point one time I, I was listening to him talking about like how he's scared of AI and he was you know one of many people who signed on to this letter saying we should take a you know in, including Elon Musk that we should like chill out with the dissemination of AI mm-hmm. um, and do like at least a six month pause on that and to really assess all the issues and variables. And to some extent, I'm, I'm, I'm empathetic to that because it's like, yeah, you're right. Like there was no trial period. It has to work right now right. because we, it's already out there. Like right. it, it can't fail because we're, we're we're not testing it in a vacuum and we seeing, just launched it you, you just it's launched just it happening and like it better work because yeah. you know all of humanity is at at risk right. so um yeah it's definitely definitely interesting are you optimistic or pessimistic about the future of ai like what do you think are you um, excited about it or i'm very i feel very torn because on one hand i feel like you know the amount of i don't think it should be shut down like that's not yeah. my thought process you know um, I do think that there is amazing things uh, that could come from it. I, for some reason, my brain immediately goes to the medical field. Yeah, like I immediately sure. think about, you know, how can we better help people, cure people, you know, cure illness, cure yeah. disease. Like there is already AIs that are able to detect, you know, cancer and different things like that. And like to me, my brain automatically goes to like the greatest thing that you can do. But at the end of the day, and I feel like this is very relevant. It's again one of these general concepts I have about things that I feel like really applies to the situation. But like mm-hmm. at the end of the day, it's a tool. You know, like a knife 100%. could cut could cut a salad, and a knife could kill a person. And you know, um, I really feel like it's a tool, and the way that we use it is really what matters. And I think that the main thing that's going to be important here is that the way we use it be correctly regulated. Yeah. Um, and I don't particularly know that I, I trust any one person with that job. Like, that's, that's a really big job. And I feel like I feel like a, like we're, we're kind of like at this weird impasse as, as humanity where we have to figure it out. We don't have a choice. It's happening. Yeah. We, yeah. we figured out this little life hack and now we have to kind of make sure that it doesn't get out of control. Um, and I really do hope that we manage to do that correctly. And I really hope that 10 years from now we're going to look back and say, this is the greatest thing that's ever happened, you know, like we look back at the internet and we say, okay, awesome. 
What do you think? Do you I think mean, net good or net net no, positive, net negative? It's like or really, hard to say. Uh, it's so hard to say because, so like, of say. course, it's opened up like the world, right? Like, right. they're like I, at my fingertips. I have eternal knowledge, <laughs> like that's, more than the Library of Alexandria. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's crazy. Like, that's crazy. That's the like, what kind of freaking privilege is that? Like, that's amazing, right? Mm-hmm. But then on the other hand, like. People used to talk to each other. (laughs) (laughs) Remember way back when? Remember like way back, like even I remember, like I feel like I'm, you know, kind of like on the fence between like millennial and Gen Z. And like Mm -hmm. I I was still kind of at the point where like I got my first smartphone when I was 18, right? And like I I do remember like being at school as a 10 year old, like not a single person had a phone. That was not a thing, right? Like my mom had a shitty Nokia. I would come home, I would play a game of snake and that was pretty much it. Um, But I do remember, like I remember what we used to play, you know, during the breaks and like the cards and Yu-Gi-Oh and like jumping. Oh my God, I remember (laughs) Yu-Gi-Oh. And like jumping between these like really long rubber bands and we had all these patterns and like, you know, there was like all this really fun stuff we used to do just running around bonding with each other and, Mm It makes me it, honestly just like I have nieces that are like like 10 years old, right? And that's that's kind of the age that I think back at cuz like you're not so small that you don't remember anything, but like you are also not like an adult yet. You you really are a child. Yeah. You get to really thrive as a child 100%. at the age of 10. And I look at them and I look at, you know, how they are with their phones and like, when I come visit, you know, like, I always have this thing where I'm like, fucking, fucking dump your fucking phone. Like, I want love right now, you yeah. know? And, like, it just, I I completely understand that it, it's a different civilization. It's a different culture. It's a different everything. Like, they're going to grow up to be so different. And that's for good and for bad. Like, they're going to be very tech savvy, more than all of us. Like, they're going to be way more tech savvy than you and I are. Because it's, it, it literally has been in existence their whole life. And yeah. I don't know, again, like, so many pros and cons, but I'm really a person that appreciates the human element, and I'm really a person that appreciates, like, a very deep, solid connection with another human, and, yeah. like... That's everybody. I don't think you can get around yeah. that. And the... the I, I think that the fundamental question that everyone should be thinking about with all these technological developments... I remember one time in Yvtach's class for our, our digital product characterization course he was Mm -hmm. or intro to digital tech he was talking about this that he said this this point and i thought it was brilliant he said that you know oftentimes engineers will uh create something and then afterwards they try and find uh, a use for it a a use for it and they try and find a population that they can like disseminate it onto but it has to be the exact opposite and oftentimes you will find people who are creating all these technically really cool engineering feats but it has no use and ultimately, the main question that it doesn't really contend with is, is this something that is ultimately a benefit for human nature and for humanity? Is this right. something that's enhancing people as they are as humans and their lives? And I feel like people don't think about that question. They just think about efficiency, efficiency, technological development. And that question is not at the I would forefront. say that's like actually naive. I would say it's like even further than that. I think a lot of people think of their own, you know, personal gains. I would, I would say a lot of people yeah. think of money as, you know, as something which is a motivator rather than what's good for humanity. And I feel like I feel like the money thing, the control thing, you know, the the, the rising to the top thing, the yeah. fame thing, the attention thing. There's so many things that are really not like look today at and again I don't wanna like 
call anyone out and say that I think someone's, you know, an asshole or whatever. But look, you know, who are the biggest celebrities today that everyone like who's like a person everyone knows, even if they don't know. Right. Mm -hmm, Like mm -hmm. who's who's one of these people who sets the trends and what they wear and what they do and what they buy is what then everyone thinks is cool. Yeah. And I look at these people and I'm like, do they have my best interests in mind? I don't think so. (laughs) Do they wake up in the morning and they're like, what does Lil Baronet want to do? today and how am I going to make her life better no that's not what they're thinking no do you know what I mean no (laughs) I don't believe it (laughs) right right so like I don't know it's really it's it's I feel like we have so many moral issues and when it comes to this new technology and I feel like all of that is compounded by you know the inevitable selfishness of being human um and I can't even blame those people it's just like but it's not even it's not even like on on average about selfishness. Like some people will look back and they'll say all these things were negative. But if you look at when I actually listen to these tech bros, you know, and their development, all of their intentions are actually good. Like they're actually trying to do the right thing. Like Sam Altman with OpenAI, right. I actually super super admire him. A lot of people right. are are uh, kind of bashing on him because ChatGPT is too woke and. I hear that it's it's not perfect right but at the same time he as opposed to anybody else has released 100k grants for 10 people and also on top of that cybersecurity grants for 10k for like also about about 10 people don't don't quote me on that but essentially trying to open up the discourse and he's the the 100k grant he essentially was incentivizing people to um like propose these different democratic structures and and propose how they would be able to come to consensus about uh different ideas and about contentious topics right that is beautiful unparalleled amazing nobody else is doing that he recognizes the power that this has he's not sure if it should be open source because it's you know like it has so much power and you don't want right. to get into the wrong hands and that I understand and also he's opening up the conversation to all of humanity as opposed to anybody else who completely like the power was so centralized and it completely changed humanity it's and society and how it's definitely functions. decentralizing um which is amazing but I don't think I really don't think he is the issue like that's not the people no. I have problems with no. Um, but and, just to and just I, to shout out my love for him, no yeah. for sure for sure and I do think that also again also people like him who have good intentions um, but are then you know caught into the whole get caught into the whole like legalities of things and how you know like they they're not free even if they have good intentions they're not free to do what they want yeah and people with more power are always going to be able to step in and be like hey give me that you know 100 yeah and that that's what scares me not the not the one guy sitting in his garage who had an idea and went on to make an amazing business and yeah. is now doing awesome and wants humanity to do better he's a yeah. good guy and he's fucking smart he figured something out that no one else did and that's amazing right. and the fact he's doing these grants and the fact that he's doing all this stuff like just comes to show how much he really does you know want to to have some sense of transparency and like no one no one gives away a million dollars because they're bored like (laughs) you know he could take that for himself and buy like a plane i don't know i don't know how much a plane costs like yeah i'm not in that tax bracket (laughs) (laughs) clearly have no concept (laughs) zero concept maybe like again one day but like not now um but like you know i do i do think that 
it's a very it's a very interesting issue and again i think the problems we're going to face are the problems of the people who are interested in having control over people and having everyone you know kind 100%. of kind of obedient and kind of like i get like 1984 vibes yeah and that that's what really terrifies me like yeah. the whole like china vibe like all of that stuff like that's where i that's where i stop and i'm like dude i'm terrified orwell was a prophet honestly yeah, sometimes. yeah. we don't we're not into that like i feel like it's amazing. I feel like that that's really like when you say to me like, oh, AI advancements and blah, blah, blah. Like, I think of that. Like, that's what scares me. I'm not scared. of Like, if people want to get things implanted in their brain so they can Google stuff faster, like that's their problem. Like, I really don't care. People, some, some people get like a chip in their hand so they can open their car. Like, they, it's fine. I don't care. It doesn't affect me, you know. But like when you start looking at it as like a whole system, a whole government, a whole like that's where I'm like, ooh, scary. Scary one hundred percent. I I actually want to go back to something you had mentioned before because I think it's really interesting. And over the course of Shabbat, I was staying at like my family friends from Pittsburgh who I've known my entire life, incredible people. And the mother, she's a social worker, and she said something very very interesting. She has a thirteen year old son, and she said something that really really impacted me, and it really made me think. She said that the way that boys and girls are being socialized right now, it's becoming a lot more feminized because the way that boys used to socialize before was that they would like beat each other up and it was face to face <laughs> and they didn't know how to talk or use their words until like way later because yeah. women kind of civilized them. Nowadays, because of WhatsApp and things like that, there's drama. Like boys literally have drama. She was telling me about her son and how there was drama and how they're fighting with their words because now the platform is on WhatsApp and yeah. Instagram and picture focused and they're more, you know, self-centered, like uh, not self-centered, but like physically, physically like obsessed with their looks. And it's just to me, that was insane because I was like, whoa, the way that we're actually it's like a social engineering thing as well. So I, I thought that kind of was really, really shocking, honestly, and made me a little concerned because yeah. I already think we have a really feminized society and there's nothing wrong with being feminine, okay, whatever. There's nothing wrong <laughs> with being masculine, blah, blah, blah. Point is, is that everybody should be working towards their strengths. And, right. you know, it's, I was having a conversation with someone else today and I thought like, he was saying like, oh, it's nature versus nurture. And that's really the only thing that that influences male versus female, like personality or tendencies or temperament. And I was like, OK, even if that's true, does it? And, and I don't concede that that's true. But even if it is, why does that matter? Why does it matter that it's socially engineered? Because it serves society for men to act like traditional men and it serves society for women to act like traditional women in order that we continue to procreate right. and for humans to continue our lineage so even if it's you know socially engineered 100 percent, let's say yeah. it does it really matter what do you think first of all this is really funny because like i mean this is only being recorded no one can see us but like we're sitting here right now wearing matching overalls <laughs> we're wearing matching jean overalls and white sneakers and i've never felt more content in my life <laughs> and like a black tank top under our overalls like we we look insanely twinny twinny right now and it's really really cute yeah. um but Wish you guys could see <laughs> i really we should like upload a selfie with this yes um but like 
this really makes me feel like, first of all, I feel like we've kind of sat in front of each other, not wearing matching overalls, but we've sat in front of each other and had a very similar conversation to this many times because I feel like this is a topic that we both both feel very strongly on and we both kind of yeah. share not the exact same opinion. I don't think we think exactly the same, but I do think that we share like 80% of our perspective um, mm-hmm. and I can really see where you're coming from and it, it's it's definitely a topic that I like discussing with you because me too I really like like the extra the extra 20% that you give me that I don't think about but first of all I want to I want to kind of say something about what you said um but this mm-hmm. mom and this 13 year old kid and yeah, whatever like mm-hmm. first things first like when I hear that when I hear things like this or when again like when I see little kids and when I see like a like an eleven year old talking about the Kardashians and carrying a Gucci bag, like to me in my mind, I'm like, if I ever make people, I'm gonna take them to Ghana, and for the first ten years of their life, they are not going to know what an i anything is. Like I just like I want them to to know that an iPhone is a way to call your father, and that's pretty much <laughs> the only use for it. Like I don't want them to know what an app is. Like they, yeah. you know what? I figured it out when I was ten. They can figure it out at that age too. I don't need them to be tech wizards, but like I do want, I do want, I I hope you know. I don't know what I'm gonna be like as a mom, but like in yeah. my mind, I really want the very soft parts of my children's brains to be molded by, you know, kindness and connection and, like, other people. And I I don't know, like, I have a huge issue with this. And I think it bothers me the most when I think of myself as a parent. I totally agree with you because you can handle anything. But then once you... It's even weird because we don't have kids, but just the innate protection that you feel over things that don't even don't exist, exist. <laughs> but you just immediately are like when I have kids yeah. they are not having because I feel the exact same way I'm right. like you're not gonna have social media like I don't know what the landscape will be like then but you're not right. gonna have anything because I don't care that everybody else has it right I it has been a net negative to every single child yeah. and I just don't want them having access to all the that what you're saying is that here you 10 year old have access to the entire world at once at once the when you're like not world. prepared for like you're you're like barely prepared for growing boobs like here have access to everything exactly and know? it's like adults can't handle that right. that responsibility right. and you're giving that to teenagers that's so huge and i don't think people conceptualize it because it's so normal yeah but that's access to the entire world just stop and think about that for a second right and see if you wanted to give your kids iphones or social media because everybody else has it right i think it's really funny because like we're talking um in the first year of, of this degree we were both on the debate team together oh yeah and that yeah. was that was really cute and when we're talking right now you know, we're both kind of sharing this point of view and immediately my like debatey mind says, okay, argue the opposite, right? 100%. Like, like, like I just hear I the just, rebuttal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just hear like, how do you rebuttal this? And you know, there's so many things I could say, like, it's a different world. It's a different era. Like these kids need to be prepared for something else than what we needed to be prepared for. And like, I can, I do have rebuttals. And if anyone says, oh no, she's wrong. Like I, I can't even argue with them because it's true. But for me, like, there is something, like, very, something very deep within that just feels wrong. Yeah. And I can't explain it. And that's something that I can't rebuttal because no matter how you twist logic, like, I have a feeling and I'm using these words to try to explain to you why that feeling is justified. But while I'm doing it, I'm like, I could argue the, the opposite side equally. Exactly. So yeah. the truth is, it just feels fucked. Like, yeah, yeah. it doesn't feel right to me. And I 
also as a parent, like I don't want to be, I don't want to be one of these parents that pays more attention to their phone than their child. Like I, know. I want to throw my phone in a river, and like if if I decide that I'm making people, I want to dedicate myself to that for the first few years of their lives, yeah. so that they're raised in the best way that I can raise them, so that yeah, they're the, like the most you're prepared. Yeah. yeah, like that's if I'm gonna do it, I want to do it right, and I want to do it in the way that feels right to me, and I completely respect parenting choices of all kinds you know like I feel like of course as long as you're not like verbally or physically violent towards your kid as long as you have good intentions I can't really blame you for any parenting method um but I can say that again there's just something burning in my gut saying like this is not how I want to do it and I want you know I want to think I want to think that I'll do you know my best obviously you can never know and circumstances are something that you can't really control but I really do think that like I would like to deprive them of technology for as long as possible I I think it's what I think it's connected to what you said before that it just feels you were talking about experiencing God and just the human element and there's just something that you can't articulate fully about it it's there are certain things I think the I remember our, our debate teacher said he said that the hardest thing to debate is common sense. Right. Because it's just things that we take to be axiomatic it's for granted. And to try to dissect that is so unbelievably difficult and challenging. Um, which right now we're experiencing that a lot of people are right. starting to like challenge fundamental things that we've always known to be true, which is right. really challenging because it's like oh, well, I I actually don't know how to debate that or I have to start thinking about that and start thinking about just basic facts of reality that we've always known. And I think that's just, there's something just anti-human about it and you just want to be fully human, fully present. I That was actually one, the main reason why I started to keep Shabbat. And I think that its relevance comes in and out, like the relevance of mitzvot come in and out in different ways, like the what they're important for at different periods of history is very interesting. And I think right now, a lot of people are starting to keep some element of Shabbat, which I find to be beautiful. And it's really like keeping the Jews sane, I think, because you, I feel like a cyborg six out of seven days of the week. One day a week, I am a human again. Right. And I remember everything. And you're hustling, you're moving, you're distracted, you're going. And I try to bring God into every element of my work and I feel him and I feel like divinely inspired and, and, you know, like I'm running with him at everything and it's really exciting. But at the same time, you do need to feel fully human and just feel center, feel present and feel connected to family and just appreciate the basic things about life. And I just really see the value of Shabbat. I feel that. I actually had, um, we used to have this family tradition for very, very long time. Um, a lot of people in my family lived in different countries Mm -hmm. and once a year I don't know why we picked Passover but once a year on Passover we would all come together everyone would come from wherever hole they crawled into somewhere (laughs) on earth Um, we would all gather here and we would go to this retreat in the north and it's like very pastoral and like it's not like a hotel it's like some anyways it closed now and we stopped going but it was a really cute little tradition Um, and I remember one time I got there I was 18 um i've been going there since i was like my my grandparents had their uh honeymoon there so yeah so my mom has been going to this place every year like her entire life and i've been going every year for my entire life so like it's really a place that holds a lot of sentimental value to my family beautiful 
Yeah, and like we got there, I'll never forget this. It was like the craziest thing. I was I was 18, I got my first smartphone and 6 months later, like after I'm completely addicted to this little thing. Yeah. Um we get there and my screen breaks. Now, my screen broke in this very particular way where it was just completely black, but the phone was working. So, like, if someone called me, I'd slide my finger over, like, where I knew the green thing was, and I could With all answer. With cuts and bleeding. Yeah. <laughs> and I could answer, and I could take the call. And if, yeah. I, if I was, like, really concentrating, you know, and, like, closing my eyes and really concentrating, I could figure out how to call my mom, you know, by, like, <laughs> shortcuts. So, well. like, it was really difficult, but I could con- I could be contacted, like, if there was an emergency or whatever. Um, but I got there, and it was a holiday, so, of course, Israel, everything is closed. It's yeah. Passover. It's, like, the longest holiday in the universe. Um <laughs> And we're in some re- weird place in the north. It's not even, like, center. So, like, some things are open. Yeah. It's, like, really just... And in the beginning, I just started I just started dating. Um, just started dating someone and that I was, like, mad about, right? Mm-hmm. And I can't text him. <laughs> oh, my God. Relationship over. Yeah, like, <laughs> devastated. And, and he's texting me. And, like, my phone's not working. I'm having, like, withdrawal symptoms. And I can't text my crush. Like, all of this is happening at once. And I'm stuck with my family in a place that has nothing but grass, right? I don't know how you made it. <laughs> <laughs> so the first, I really remember the first day was, like, physical torture. Yeah. Um, I used, like, my mom's phone to, like, search if there's anything open and if there's a way to fix my phone. Really, there wasn't. There was, like, I... It, 24 hours to exhaust any possibility of fixing my phone in that vacation and I knew I'm going to only have to get it fixed when I go back in a mm-hmm. week mm-hmm. Um, so the first day was torture the second day was horrible the third day I was still kind of suffering and then something really magical happened on the fourth day I just like something in me just like let go of the idea of getting my phone fixed and I was like okay this is life now like <laughs> we're we're just gonna have this um, and I put it away I stuck it in the drawer I was like might as well right I told you know I texted this guy through my mom's phone that my phone's broken and I'll talk to him in three days um, and I just put it in the drawer and I started just spending a bunch of time with my aunt and my mom and and then at some point like I noticed that everything was so quiet you yeah. know like there was no peace ding, yeah just peace yeah. Ding! like the, all the notifications were just gone I didn't know what anyone was doing I was like doing my own thing chilling and I gotta be honest like this is something that started to be sort of like a criteria for me and other humans like if if when I'm with you I forget about my phone I know you're one of the good ones for me right like I know our connection is really cool and it's one of it's one of the reasons I really like talking to you because I feel like oh I'm gonna cry moment (laughs) no but it's true because like when we sit down like right now we're having this whole conversation and there's a microphone and there's headphones but like I feel like we sit down and have these types of really awesome conversations pretty much every time I'm like hey Naomi like come you know like and and you skip from your dorm to my dorm (laughs) and you just like hang out and drink tea and like again like I have zero attention on my phone I don't have like the need to go check if something happened (laughs) like it's like it's so intense you know and I did start doing this whole thing of you know turning off like Instagram notifications and this notifications and whatever um 
but it's really complicated when it's become so tied into other things in your life like when like work or school yeah yeah. like when work when work stuff is dependent on me being connected to social media and I don't feel like I have like Instagram and TikTok today are like some of the biggest places to market anything ever Mm -hmm, right mm -hmm. and if you want to grow and if you want to get an audience and if you want to like start your own business like it's a very good it's very good platform you can't argue with that right and it's it's so upsetting because it like sucks your soul (laughs) like you're like well i have to sell my soul to the devil to get fame i don't want you know and like you know i'm i'm leaving to uh do an exchange semester in thailand in a month and two things about that so first of all um i actually opened a new instagram account and i decided i'm not following anybody on that account right no one i'm i'm gonna log out of my personal account where i'm following like two thousand people um who are my friends and whatever um i don't want to see i don't want to see what anyone's doing i just i don't want like i want to document my journey and i don't want to feel distracted while doing that but i do want to document my journey because i feel like it's going to be so much fun and i'm gonna have fun looking back at that and and i'm gonna have fun sharing you know like i kind of wish there was a page of a Reichman student who went to Thailand and will now give me tips. Like, mm-hmm. that will be really nice for me, but I'm the first one to go from the university because mm-hmm. it's, like, a new collaboration that they're doing and no one's ever gone to Thailand before. Yeah. So I was like, okay, you know, this will be really cool. The school will actually appreciate me doing this. I'm yeah. excited about it, but I specifically wanted to start a new account. And I was like, I don't care about the likes. I don't care about the followers. I really don't care about starting from scratch because all I want is to have an account where when I open it, I don't see anything besides the content that I want to put out there and then I can close it and continue with my life yeah because like that's the only way I can think of doing it sanely yeah and then another thing which was really important to me um I actually told Guy about this because um I was like you know I really want like at some point when I'm in Thailand because you're already so disconnected right you're far away from your family you're far away like I don't know any I don't know a single person in Thailand personally right everyone's been giving me like numbers of friends who moved to Thailand to Mm -hmm. ask them things but like I don't know anyone there it's very disconnected and I and I thought about it I was like it would be the perfect opportunity to turn my phone off to turn my iPad off to turn my laptop off to turn everything off for an entire week um, and go to some freaking island with a beautiful beach and read a book and talk to every single person on the island and hang out and go to parties and not drink and dance. Like, just to freaking exist without any filters, without any chemicals, without any technology, without anything that's altering yeah. anything that's altering who I am. Like, yeah. And I just wanted to experience that for an entire week because I don't think that's ever happened in my adult life. I I mean, I don't think it's never happened in my adult life where I had an entire distraction free week to just take life in and be chill. And I know that that's not something. First of all, it's not something everyone can afford to do. Um, And that's not something that I can afford to do on a normal day to day basis. But I thought about it so much and I was like, this would be an incredible opportunity to just completely zone out and like. I want to say like meditate because that's not what I intend to do. But like just be, just just be, be, man, just walk around, touch some sand, you know, (laughs) (laughs) like you don't got to meditate for that. Like just just look at trees, man. Like, but like know in your heart that when you're looking at that tree, like nothing's going to go ding. like it's not going to you're just look at a tree. 
I, and it like sounds so ridiculous. No. Like I know it. Like it sounds like you're a lunatic, but like at this point, I feel like we're no, all that's just everybody. It's yeah, not... we're just like connected by like IV to like everything happening all of the time. I wow. I I think you mentioned so many amazing points. First of all, I really hope you get that experience. I think that would be amazing and beautiful for you. Second of all, just to touch on the Pesach experience, I find it so beautiful that that happened on Pesach because the whole idea of Pesach is that you're, we're as Jews coming into freedom and escaping from servitude. And honestly, technology, you are a slave to it. So it's I'm definitely, I'm definitely in servitude to my to phone. phone. <laughs> like, and I think it's so beautiful it's that it happened at that time. Uh, there, there's something really poetic about that. Um, <laughs> And yeah, I just really hope you hope you find that. That's that's really beautiful. I um I remember that I went to this camp where it, I already was like growing up with with smartphones, and, and it's amazing we, we're not that far apart in age, but it's like amazing that it's just happened so fast. And yeah, I, I, rem- it did. I remember um like they would take it away for a month, and then the kids just had to be with each other. It was amazing. It was amazing because at all these other camps, they were still connected. And I always say this. I think that there's something... I think humans are meant to have small lives. I don't think that we're meant to be so interconnected. And I think that's why things feel so terrible all the time or we think like the world's always constantly ending or we're just so connected to politics and knowing everything that's going on. I think... I think this stuff was always happening. We just weren't aware of it. So now right. we feel like it's always, we're on the precipice. Democracy will be destroyed. <laughs> and it's like, how can it be every single time it's yeah. about to be destroyed and nothing happens? Because yeah. we have to give ourselves a lot more credit that we're a lot more resilient than we think. And I just think our worlds are meant to be smaller. Like you were saying how you, how you want to create a separate account. Like I just deleted all my social media because I just couldn't handle my world being that big. And I was like, anybody who really matters to me and is meant to be in my life consistently is. is. And if they want to share things with me, they can. And we have that connection. But I realized now I, I mean, I still feel really connected to technology, but my world's a lot smaller. Like I, I don't know what everybody's doing all the time and it gives you a lot more peace and you're just more present and you're like, okay, I'm just walking around. I'm doing my thing. I don't, I forget that Instagram exists until people are like, oh, I saw it on Instagram. Like, oh, yeah, that's a thing. Like, that's something that <laughs> that gave me so much stress for so many years. Like, it didn't. Yeah. And I really think people should focus on how they feel after they use it. I haven't heard a single person say, oh, I feel so much better after I use Instagram <laughs> or TikTok. I just, like, feel yeah. lighter, like, enlightened. No, everybody yeah. says I feel like crap after I use this stuff. I'm like, so why are you using it? It's if you're addicted then like you know go go to a program like, like get this out of, get this out of your system 12 create, step 12 create step your that. own 12 step program like right. be a human be more in line with humanity i think that's becoming more and more important like you just want to harken back to the things that are eternal truths like oh i don't know just being and existing and feeling god in everything that i'm doing and in life and not knowing what every single person is doing all the time that's so unbelievably overwhelming and i think it constantly creates this feeling of deep deep inadequacy and like you're a piece of crap because everybody's always better than you and you're comparing yourself to the world (laughs) instead of instead of like yourself yourself your immediate vicinity and that's good enough like you know Back in the day, people used to be able to um, 
I think also just I'm sorry yeah. I'm cutting you off but like I think you said something that's so important and I want to just like say one little note about it you're saying people are comparing themselves to the world but the one thing that's really rotten about all this is that they're not comparing themselves to the world they're actually comparing themselves to like a polished standard of something that doesn't exist yeah like <laughs> they're comparing themselves to a lie and right. like I there's actually, like, something that I started doing myself. Um, every time I go on Instagram and I see one of these, like, really polished bitches, like, yeah. <laughs> this really just, like, skinny, perfect skin, blah, blah, blah. Like, you know she's not real, yeah. right? Like, I don't know. I don't know what AI created you, but, like, <laughs> no. Um, and I just started, like, unfollowing accounts like this. Yeah. And then I started, like, following more accounts of, like, this I really like. I follow a lot of, like, gym-related stuff because um, yeah. it, like, gives me motivation. Yeah. <laughs> like, sometimes I'll, like, open my thing and they'll be like what are you doing scrolling on your bed go to the gym and I'm like yes sir just close it and <laughs> sir yes sir <laughs> and I'm like yes oh my god what am I doing right? like saying, yeah. I love these accounts that's Th- awesome this is what I live for so and some of them of course have really good tips and they you know show you all these like little notes about your form and like different things that's actually really nice and like gives Amazing, you a lot of value yeah, right yeah. and then I started following um these girls that I wish I could, like, remember their handles because I would totally shout them out right now. But, like, I started following these girls who would do, like, um, this is what it looks like posing. This is the same body not posing. Yeah, yeah. You know, and then they show you they show you that they're bloated and they show you that they have stretch marks and they show you that when they're not, like, leaning a little bit forward, their ass is not that pretty. And, like, you know, they, they really show you all the little bits and pieces of things that make us human and the fact that they have pores on their nose yeah. like normal people do. Um, Ew, what? <laughs> yeah, right? Pores. What? These holes that we consume things through. I don't know what we do with them. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what their purpose is. I don't know. Just, At a doctor. Yeah. <laughs> this, is, Comment. This, is, this is like not, not, not an authority on the subject no. of pores. Anyways, no. but like I just, you know, like... I see this and I'm like, okay, that actually does inspire me because it makes yeah. me feel good about myself. Like, yeah. I'm like, you know what? I'm actually pretty fucking good. Like, okay, I get like the occasional breakout and I'm sometimes bloated, but like, I actually appreciate my body more ever since I've been seeing this because I feel like, okay. I feel like seeing polished lies is inevitable. You see it on the streets when you're walking, you see it in magazines, you yeah. see it on posters, you see it everywhere. And then you need like a little reminder that all of that is bullshit. Yeah. And that you're doing just fine. Like, that's something that's really changed my perspective. And I got to be honest, like, I feel like, again, it's a tool. Yeah. And the fact that you use it in the way that the algorithm wants you to use it so that you're addicted to it is your problem. You Mm -hmm. can totally use it in a way that empowers you. Mm -hmm. You just need to be a lot more aware of the fact that there is an algorithm. It's not built for your good. It's built for money making purposes. And if you structure it well, like if you don't follow anyone and you put out to the world what you want to put out to the world and you you're a content creator, which is really motivating. Um, then that's really cool. And if you follow accounts that make you feel good and like, I know people have a whole thing about like, oh, she unfollowed, blah, blah. You unfollowed. Like this friend makes you feel shit when you look at their posts. Unfollow them. Like, I don't know what to say, you know, like just (laughs) be conscious. Like you're saying, be conscious of how you feel after you use this Mm -hmm. app or any other thing in your life. Um, And if it makes you feel bad, then either just nuke it or if you can't like me my work very much depends on it um so okay so so make it so that it it's not addictive it's not something that makes you feel depressed and again like you're saying it doesn't make you feel like you're comparing yourself to to the world or to a lie or to something that makes you feel bad and even further 
I would say, you know, like I did um last year, I did this whole really long paper about um, dating apps, mm-hmm. right? That like it was one of the things that I did for my digital innovation project um, for the first year. And I remember like Guy and I were going through doing this homework together and we were researching Tinder. Mm-hmm. And we read this whole article um, about the algorithm of Tinder and how it's actually kind of built to be sort of the same concept as like a slot machine in a casino. Yeah, yeah right? right? Like it's built in this way that after a long time you haven't come in, you come in and it shows you the people who are like the hottest and most popular. Everyone likes them, whatever. And then you like, like, oh my God, there's so many hot guys. Aw. And then <laughs> you keep going and then it's like a little more ugly, a little more depressing, a little more weird, a little more creepy. And yeah. then and then you're like, you're like longing for that like little like oh my god another hot guy like you're just like yeah. scrolling waiting for him to come and then the the gaps between how how much you have to scroll until another cute one comes get bigger and bigger and bigger mm-hmm. so you spend more time constantly looking for that thrill and you're no longer looking for a person you're yeah. looking for a thrill and yeah. then at some point this really hot guy writes you and he says hi and you're like hi that's so unoriginal and you just don't answer him because know, everyone says hi and like i remember at some point this this is like so psychotic this is what really shows you how insane it is i remember at one point um this is not really recently but like i don't know like a few years ago um i was scrolling and i had all these intros from guys mm-hmm. and i think it said i had 400 intros right yeah i'm not trying to make myself sound popular i, I think <laughs> just like girls get this in general yeah. um so i'm scrolling through and i'm filtering it out and there was so many of them and it was so overwhelming that i didn't know how to filter it um obviously like people i didn't feel like were my type or were too young or too old or like whatever like basic criteria was easy to filter but like but other things most of the guys were pretty much you know someone i would go out on a date if they walked up to me in the street and said hi you're cute can have your number you know and i remember that in my mind something that became a criteria after filtering like 70 people was if someone just wrote me hi i would just like I would just move on because because I was like, okay, there's so much. I have to create random criteria to filter by. And I know that this is not something I do and no one else does. I know it's like a thing. thing, I know it's a thing. And I know that it like this is some mechanism that happens in a lot of different people's brains and that we start developing because there's so many options. We get overwhelmed and we start filtering in the way that's wrong. And I remember that also there was like this crazy FOMO because you're like, oh, my God, did I just like swipe left on my husband like is this my my soulmate like am i swiping left because this guy said hi but actually like he would make me the happiest girl in the world and we would have beautiful children like what you know and it it makes you feel like to me dating apps are so overwhelming every time i download them i'm like abort 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 i totally this is so horrible it's also you can't see the magic of the person no you know and i i feel like it's just so I don't know, something inside me is still like such a romantic and I love humans and I just, I, I, I can't see the magic of a person in pictures. And like you were saying, you start to have really arbitrary criteria and you're like, how do you even start a conversation over text? Like that's, how do you start a relationship over text? It's just not so possible. It's just like not happening. I don't know. I'm just, there, there's something about dating apps that I just feel like has like 
failure to launch there's something yeah. missing there it's just it's really funny because you're saying like something about texting and i just kind of like recalled this one time that you texted me something like baronet you're an amazing human and i love you but you're a horrible texter 100 percent accurate 100 percent true i stand by that i will die on that hill she's the worst texter i've ever met in my entire life um lovely human being to die for but texter like you you think she hates you and you want to kill yourself. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> oh my god, that's so bad. You know why it's really bad? It's really bad because you are not the first or last person to say that. And yes. like the list just keeps going of people whose feelings I hurt and I don't Fair know enough. how I did it. And I and I like call them back and I'm like, I'm so sorry. What did I do? And they like they're just like, Oh, you you know, like you said this and I'm like, but I don't know, maybe it's like a form of autism, but like I feel like I hurt people's it is. <laughs> You're an autistic texter. I I, I have you know, to diagnose I'm, you right now. I hate to break it to you. Honestly, like I'm totally fine being on the spectrum. Like that actually kind of makes me proud. I I feel like, you know, I always built different. Yeah, just <laughs> <laughs> I always like really get along with with people who have like just like the right amount of autism. Touch of the tism. Yeah, yeah, because I feel like I feel like they get something all of us don't. Yeah. Like I don't know how to explain it. Yeah, I like just, Elon Musk. He just gets it. I don't know. He's just, like, living a different level. And I also, like, really appreciate the determinism to not be like everyone else. Like, you're doing your own thing and no one else really agrees, but you're just, this is how you see reality. And, like, I love that. I love the non-conforming part of it. I think it's really cute. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure, I know there's, like, I have have friends that have autism autism, and, like, I know that there's, like, bad parts to it. Like, I'm not saying, I'm not glorifying it. some family members. (laughs) Yeah, no, I'm not saying it's, like, amazing and we should all no but like definitely there are struggles and you know i, I have yeah. a lot of respect for people who but there's something that's interesting about their perspective on for life. sure for sure um baronet i want to pivot a little bit i want to this is something we've never actually talked about but i've actually been really curious about it and i don't know why i never asked you Tell me. but this is a perfect opportunity for me so right um, now with no warning yes when we're being recorded <laughs> here you go um <laughs> no, never had a better time than right now Um, I wanted to know, what is your Jewish identity? Like, is being Jewish important to you? And what does it mean to you to be Jewish? It's a very good question. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) I thought of it myself. You should, like, make a podcast or something. No. Yes! Dude, that's brilliant. Right? (laughs) And we should, like, do an episode together wearing matching overalls. Oh, dang. Right? Ingenious. (laughs) Um, Okay, so... God, I got so distracted. Ask me the question, and I'm so sorry. Okay, so you're Jewish. I am. <laughs> so what does your Jewish identity mean to you? Does it matter to you? Okay. Do you care about it? If you do, why? Okay, so I feel like there's no way to answer that without kind of giving you my perspective on Judaism in general. Yella. So I want to do that first. Please. And then I want to kind of narrow it down to my own tiny little existence. Amazing, yeah. Okay, so... I think that there is generally, I think that there's a lot of wisdom in Judaism. I think that there's a lot of um, things that are thoroughly thought through um, and a lot of logic in many different traditions that have to do with this religion, right? I think all religions kind of strive to have some logic behind, you know, their traditions and mannerisms and concepts and whatever, but I really do feel like there is a lot of logic to many, many things, mm-hmm. and I can see it and I can appreciate it. Um, my issues with Judaism um, are, 
when it comes to interpretations that I don't particularly see eye to eye with or people interpreting the Bible in a way that I don't, Mm -hmm. you know, and there are, again, there, there are many, there are many schools of thought also with Christianity. There is like a ton of different types of being Christian. Right. Um, But I feel like there is many different types of people who practice Judaism in many different ways. And even amongst each other, they all very much disagree. Right. Like is rice on Passover kosher or not kosher? Like that's a huge question that like you could have a seminar argument about for some reason. And I don't know why. Mm -hmm. But like, I mean, I do get the concept. But like for me, I'm like, I don't know. Somehow I feel and like this is going to be like a a bit of a big statement, but like. I feel like if you're beating up your wife, it doesn't matter if you eat or don't eat rice on Passover. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like there is some sort of, like, I, I feel like there are basic, important values that are there that need to be followed and that people, like, get into the nitty-gritty, stupid shit that doesn't matter and they, like like... I'm sorry, but if there's, like, a God up there and he decides if you go to hell or to heaven or if you're awesome or if you reincarnate or if you become a zebra, like, I don't think that he's going to care what I eat as much as he cares how I treat others, right? Mm -hmm. And I feel like we put so much emphasis... And when I'm saying we, I mean, like, Jews, right? I'm Mm -hmm. not talking about myself because I don't. But I feel like we put so much emphasis on very, very, very small details. You know how there's, like, the 80-20 thing? I feel like we put everything into like the 1% inside the 20 that doesn't matter. <laughs> and I hate that. I despise it. It upsets me. Putting all me. your ducks in there. Yeah. yeah. Like I'm like, why? You know? And for me, that's kind of, that's kind of for me, like the thing that irks me very, very much. Um, like the other day, ugh, this like broke my heart. The other day um, I saw this article about um, women going to the mikveh. Right. Mm -hmm. Where they go um, when they uh, go after their periods to get like fully cleaned up and whatever before they um, touch their husband or whatever again. Yeah. And I think there is something beautiful about that tradition. It's one of my favorite meets. I think it's stunning and amazing and literally preserves relationships. Genuinely, I think God is so smart <laughs> he's such a smart dude he's the coolest he's, yeah, just, he, he's pretty tight he's a vibe <laughs> he's a vibe he's a vibe god's a vibe um so like this is this is something that i personally really i really like it i think it's very sweet i think it's beautiful i think there's also something nice about like respecting your body and letting it like rest when you're going through that and yeah. i don't think you should predict like again this is my personal opinion but like i don't I feel like there is something beautiful about that. Um, Mm -hmm. And there is something really nice about kind of celebrating the fact that it's over. God knows we all celebrate when our period is over, (laughs) if not in the mikveh in our hearts, you know. (laughs) Um, But I saw this article that really shook me to the core. Um, It was about basically like the women in the mikveh who are like running the whole thing Mm -hmm. and how they were making the women coming uh, to the mikveh feel very, very deeply uncomfortable and that this is, like, a rampant phenomenon of, like, when you come in, you're not alone. Like, you're in there fully naked, right? Which is already very exposed, very vulnerable, like, not necessarily super comfortable for everybody. Mm -hmm. Um, And, I mean, (laughs) probably not 
super comfortable for most people. Right? Yeah. I don't think anyone's like, hmm, here is my naked body. <laughs> Do you want to judge me? Like, <laughs> I don't think anyone feels like, yeah, like, that's weird. Um, and then, like, they get scrutinized with, like, you know, their fingernails and their ears. And, like, they, they really, like, not necessarily in the kindest way tell them that they're not holy enough to step into the mikveh, right? Mm. And I saw that whole article and... You know, there was this rabbi who was talking and he was like saying how this is really not nice and that's not how we want women to feel and that's not what we're trying to do to them and whatever. But like you're putting someone in a very vulnerable position once a month and you're making them dread that moment. Yeah. And when it should be like a very spiritual experience and feeling cleansed. I love hearing boys talking about it. They, I've heard consistently from men saying, I just feel like a spiritual awakening every time I, I I do the mikvah in the in the sea, the ocean, whatever, some natural body of water. It's just it, there's something really cleansing about doing it, and I think that's a really fair critique that you bring up. And um, yeah, that's really unfortunate because it should be such a beautiful and amazing experience, and that's that's unfortunate. And I do I do concede that that uh, sometimes we get really caught up in the details, and I that's something that I I kind of have an issue with as well but I don't think that we can throw the baby out with the bathwater in the sense that there's so much eternal wisdom there and okay you have some issues with the details but that's kind of irrelevant and I it it doesn't mean that you throw out everything like still keep everything and if you know some people aren't behaving themselves then they're not like technically religious they're not being religious they're being self-righteous I remember a rabbi told me that and I was like that's exactly what it is it's not that they're more religious than me it's that they're being self-righteous if they're putting you down and then it's you're you're not better you're really missing the entire point because the entire point of these mitzvot is to edify the human and to make them a better version of themselves and and I do think that they have that yeah um but you know it doesn't you you also have to have intention behind it and conscientiousness behind it um yeah so I I totally hear that I agree with that um yeah, I feel like I, I have like a very, I, I never grew up in a very, you know, very religious practicing home, mm-hmm. right? Like it was always very obvious that we were Jewish and we celebrated holidays and whatever, but it was not, it was definitely not like a strict, like I didn't know most of the rules, mm-hmm. you know, um, is that I have like this deep interest um, in the way that religious societies kind of operate mm-hmm. like the deeply religious ones right mm-hmm. like i'm talking like the the guys up in jerusalem and like i feel like every show on netflix that has to do with religious jews and for some reason there's a lot of them um i feel like i've seen all of them and i feel like i've kind of done a lot of my own research and yeah. i watch these articles about stuff like this because it does in- like i do have interest i do feel like there are pearls of wisdom that I would like to be aware of because yeah. because I don't I don't I don't owe anyone an explanation for how I live my life or what I eat or what I do on Saturdays. But like if I can take something away from this and it can make my life better, like good for me. Do you know yeah. what I mean? And yeah. that's that's kind of how I see practicing religion as something which is nice and beautiful and yeah. gives me personal satisfaction. I practice it in the way that makes me happy and I don't look at it as a set of laws that can constrict me and tell me what I am or not allowed to do I I see it as like here are values that could make your life better take away from here what you will and make your life better 
And that's kind of how I treat the concept of religion in general, because mm -hmm. I feel like when it gets too nitty gritty, then you just become... You, a, it loses you. <laughs> yeah. It loses the magic. It loses the spirituality. Um, I feel like it loses... Lost it, the plot a little. Yeah, like... <sighs> What like where's the line between religion, religion, like being a, a religion and being a cult? Do you know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. and there there definitely are religious Jews who are, you know, they're living they're living in little cults, and that's okay. I'm not saying it like it's not an offensive term. Do you know what I mean? Like people yeah. take like occultism. No, there's like the cults that do mass suicide, and then there was like the cults that are kind of cute. Like yeah. I'm fine with cults. Yeah, <laughs> they can like all types of religions, practices, whatever. As long as you're not like physically harming people, like do what you will. Um, but like that's you know that's not. I don't I don't really see myself fitting in one of these very particular boxes yeah. and it doesn't make me happy to be very constrained in them. And I do really appreciate the value and the wisdom and the thought process, but I don't appreciate when I feel like it's getting into my into my plate, into my pants. Like, I don't appreciate that. Like, give me give me what I can take from this and allow me to make choices and allow me to grow and allow me to mm -hmm. learn and, and like give me. You know, give me the 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 tools yeah. and let me see how I can figure out incorporating them into my life in a way that benefits me, you know, because, yeah. again, there are so many things that are beautiful. Yeah. And there are so many things that I can really see why other people really relate to or really like to do. And I don't know, like there are some random things that I also find attractive, like when when a dude is like doing the whole tefillin thing every like, girl why is that boys, so hot boys listen up why every single girl so says this i don't know why it's a thing but every single girl says this <laughs> there's something about it that's unbelievably attractive god knew and that's god how, knew what he was doing and that's how he gets people to be religious okay. <laughs> wow like that is i don't know why but when i see someone like doing that and like Mer having was, yeah. oh, my, oh my god like it's kind of like, oh my god, oh my god, <laughs> like I just my ovaries are like, yes, let's procreate with this human, and like, yeah, it's really lovely. I don't know how to explain it. It's it's almost like you know how there's like the whole thing of like men in uniform. Yes, this is like so objectifying right now, <laughs> but like I don't know. Like if you see, I remember when I was a soldier and I was eighteen, and I would see like a guy who was like 22 but he was an officer yeah and he had like the little like bars on his shoulder yeah. and i was like rawr and he was like not that attractive but, but like matter. immediately from a from a six to an eight you know like yes not just put on that shirt and you're good you yeah know? it's really incredible the power of clothes yeah. and what you're just wearing and i love that you know? you're not religious and you said that because that's every single religious girl says that so it's so yeah. nice to hear that that's actually kind of universal no honestly. it's so hot it's so hot um, like but also yeah. i really i don't know why okay again back to dating apps for a sec but like anytime that i would see on a dating app that someone defines themselves as an atheist mm -hmm. no whoa yeah and like Baronet, that's so interesting. Yeah, and like I'm again, like I started this whole thing saying I don't even know if there is some big man up in the sky, right? Like I don't, I'm not even confirming or disconfirming my personal belief system on this subject. I feel like I don't know. That's that's the truth. Yeah. I feel like I don't know, um, but I'm not. I'm not ruling it out. But I'm not saying you know whatever. And when someone just says to me like, 
I believe in nothing. <laughs> I'm like, I'm just it's my ovaries shrivel. <laughs> I'm like, R- like I'm, raisins. First of all, like that's you're a scary man. Yeah. You're a scary, scary man, and I, I don't, I don't feel like I want to share a drink with you. Yeah. Um, but like something about the lack of belief in anything kind of makes me feel like, like what's going to give that person hope when they have none. 100%. And that bothers me. And like, I don't care if you believe in God or if you believe in fairies or magic or, you know, witchcraft. Like, I'm not. Something. Yeah. (laughs) Like, I'm not ruling anything out. Like, I have zero dis. Like, if you believe that God is an alien, I'm fine with that. Like, I am never going to disrespect anyone's belief. But when someone doesn't have one, I have like a deep issue and like I I it's kind of funny cuz I don't want to have an issue with it. I I think maybe it's because it's if you everybody I think is inherently a god believer and it just depends what you fill up that like god shaped hole yeah. like what you fill it up with. Yeah. And if you aren't putting something above yourself then you are you become God, you become the thing that you're looking up to. Maybe. So I think like maybe that's a facet because if or you don't maybe believe it in becomes anything, like you know maybe it becomes like a follow the herd kind of thing, like yeah. a just. I don't know. I feel like you need to have faith in something totally that can pull you through difficult situations. Yeah. And I just to just to wrap up a little bit, I'm really grateful that you, um, you know, appreciate religion. It makes me really happy because nowadays I see a lot of people in Israel and Jews there's some sinatrinum and it makes me very very sad because I think like that's exactly what destroyed our second temple was technically it's like free hate but you know free love should be the (laughs) thing and that has been totally co-opted and ruined by the 70s but it's genuinely true like I try to see the humanity in everybody and love everyone and see their rationale see their logic love them and ultimately Judaism there have been many many Jews if you go to the Jewish Museum uh, in Tel Aviv. It shows all the amazing contributions people have made to creating a Kiddush Hashem and sanctifying God's name, both religious, not religious, love everyone. And as my father always says, it's menschlichkeit before frumkeit, meaning you have to be a good human before being religious because otherwise it doesn't mean anything. Right. And just to close, I want you to tell me what is a goal you have for your future self? That's a beautiful question. There is like a tiny little voice inside that you always know that whatever it's saying is probably the truth. And that's what you feel deep, deep in your gut. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have all the counters to it and all the, yeah, yeah. you know, whatever, all the noise around it. But you do always kind of know what you're feeling. And I feel like I've really connected a lot more with that tiny little voice inside. And I feel like I feel like my main goal right now is to continue being very present and very and and very listening to other people and, and to whatever is going on within me. And right now, you know, I have this really cool adventure coming up of doing exchange in Thailand and traveling and doing all this stuff. And then I get to come back here and have another semester. And then I finish my degree, which is a huge thing. And then mm-hmm. I'm kind of left with like a blank page of I can do whatever I want. Right. Yeah, like yeah. I can I can go open a business. I can go work at a company. I can go get married and make seven babies. I can do so many things at that point. Yeah. Um, and I feel like I kind of just want to do whatever makes me happy and whatever I feel like will be the biggest, yeah. yeah, the biggest contribution that I can give to the world. And 
you know, if that's by making like two really cool people who are going to be in it, then that's going to be it. And if it's going to be by creating some really cool technology or some really cool company or service, then that's going to be it. And if it's going to be all of it, then that's awesome. Like, I just really want to find the best way to fulfill, you know, my existence here and to do the most I can. And stay happy while doing it because I feel like my entire life I've been kind of trying to do the best thing the right thing the whatever thing and many times I had to kind of compromise on what makes me happy and Mm -hmm. I feel like my biggest goal is to find balance between all of the different sectors of life and to be physically well and to be doing good in my relationships and with my family and with my friends and to be you know in a group that I respect and love and can contribute to and somehow in some way contribute to humanity and maybe get a cat like (laughs) you know there's like so many little things but the truth is I just want to be better at finding the balance between everything um and I think I'm on the right path but you know there's definitely a lot more work to do amen I really hope that you achieve that and uh I want I was wondering if you could ask a question for my next guest, please. Yes. So this is actually something that I heard in another podcast that I really liked, and it made me think a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, What made you feel loved Mm. as a child? Nice. Um, And I think that's a really nice thing to think about because I feel like we had like a more innocent concept of life back then, Mm -hmm. and we were a little bit more honest with each other. You know, because children are like a little filterless. Mm -hmm. And I feel like sometimes, you know, I feel like sometimes today it's a little more difficult for us to tell other people how we appreciate or how we like to be loved. Like people don't realize this, but you you can experience love in many different ways and you can love someone in a way that makes them feel hated. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, because it's not what they're receptive to. yeah, Yeah, like call it a love language, call it whatever, but... I feel like we have to actually pay more attention to learning not how to, you know, not how to just go around like spewing whatever we think. I feel like Mm -hmm. we have to kind of start really tuning into the people that we really do care about and figure out how they appreciate being loved. And I feel like we need to kind of also figure out for ourselves yeah how to how to communicate that to the people who want to love us yeah that's a huge huge uh thing in becoming an adult i love that question and i would definitely ask my next my next guest and uh just in closing thank you so much baronet for sharing your soul with our viewers and me i love you very much and thank you to everyone for listening you're listening to audioversity have a blessed day the wandering jew podcast Exploring beautiful humans, thoughts, and experiences with Naomi Edelman. All our shows and podcasts available online on our website and on all podcast platforms. Search Audioversity 